Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by a guest speaker. We hope that it is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God has used it in your life. So, uh, if you've got, let's do this first. If you've got a ribbon, a marker thingy, Bob, if you would put that in uh, two chronicles. If you don't know where two chronicles is, go to the middle of your Bible and just flip real slow to the front. Middle of your Bible and then flip real slow. When you see any one or two book, all, all of them together, Samuel, Kings, Chronicles, they're all together. Two Chronicles 26, put a ribbon there, a marker there. <coughs> Excuse me. And then we will uh, turn there a little while. We're going to read quite a big portion, a hunk of scripture there that uh, allows us to see a visual that I want us to get uh, this morning. <clears throat> so uh, as I preach, the subject that I'm going to preach this week will become evident to you, <clears throat> but uh, I uh, am, uh, well, I guess I'll just preach it and you'll see what I am. I'm I'm humbled by it, I'm excited about it, I'm uh, convicted about it, and so I just really will hope, I'm praying that God will help me get it out of here and get it out to there uh, so God can work on us, all right? <clears throat> so, uh, I didn't tell you our passage, Isaiah, sorry about that, Isaiah chapter 6, so if you put a marker in 2 Chronicles, go to the other side of the half year Bible, and uh, Isaiah is one of the big books after Psalms, between Psalm and Matthew. So it's a big book. Isaiah chapter 6. <clears throat> Nancy and I, we do this for, it's our ministry, it's our life. Uh, and so uh, there were six weeks that uh, we were uh, at home and uh, so out of those six weeks, uh, we had uh, three places that had to cancel. It was like impossible to get there. And then there were uh, three places that kept their uh, services. One was down in Texas. We did a parking lot revival. I stood, on a, I stood on a flatbed trailer outside. They listened inside their cars on FM radio. And every once in a while I said, someone needs to honk right there. That's a blessing honking. Anyway, they start honking and so on. And it was outstanding. It really, really went great. We had visitors come, drive into the parking lot and, and be with us. That was a blessing. And two of the other uh, places that kept their uh, engagement was a Sunday only. And I was grateful that they said, hey, I'm preaching on live stream. You can preach on live stream just as well as I can. And I'm grateful they let us come. However, I will tell you, during that six-week time that we weren't traveling, I preached in seven churches. <laughs> that God, the church would say, hey, on Wednesday night, why don't you come, and, or on this coming Sunday, or so on. And uh, God's good to us to take care of us, and he knows what he's doing, and I'm just glad, like they sang, I'm on the winning team. Amen. Amen. All right. Isaiah chapter 6, if you're able, I ask folks to stand with me. We stand to give reverence and give honor to the eternal, infallible, inerrant, 
It is the perfect, preserved word of the living God. I ask people to stand just to give reverence to that. I believe when we do the Pledge of Allegiance or sing the national anthem, we ought to stand, and I'm for that. Well, this is God's perfect word. We have it. We're not looking for it. We have it, and we can discover what he has for us. Isaiah 6 is it's just a blessing. Verse 1. Isaiah the prophet says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of, of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, these are precious, look what he says, Lo, this has touched thy lips. And thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Just because it's a blessing, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to just point out, just, I am so glad that God, uh, when we're in his presence, it's obvious that I'm going to say this many times or several times this week. God's holy, and we're not. And when we're in the presence of holiness, the realization that we're unholy is so vivid and apparent. I am so glad that he has provided a way for our iniquities to be purged, our sins forgiven. Praise his name. Amen. All right, let me, let me have prayer with you once again. Dear God, thank you. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you proved it. Praise your name. Thank you for opportunity to assemble, open up your book, and do our utmost to discover truth. And God, we really, I desire for me, for us to meet with you and in your kindness and your grace, would you speak to us today? Would you make it apparent who you are and what you want to do? Jesus, for those that are not yet born again, they're not forgiven, thank you so much that you love them. And they too have, a, they have the opportunity to be forgiven of their iniquity. Thank you. Then for us that know you, we do have opportunity, like Pastor said, to be revived, to be encouraged, to be lifted up, to, to, to just be in love with you more. 
And so I pray that you would do that in starting this morning and these days that we get to be together. So I love you, Jesus. I sure do look forward to when I get to see you. And it's in your precious and holy and wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. <clears throat> the subject of these sermons come from the attribute of God that he is holy. And I'm going to be preaching about that these days that we're together. And so this morning, uh, Isaiah gets to see the Lord high and lifted up. And uh, so just a tiny, that's a tiny little bit. If you and I can just see a tiny bit, and I don't know I can go any further than that to see a little bit of what Isaiah saw. And I, so we'll see what God might say to us today. Us Christians, we boast that we know God. We know him. It's not just about him. We know him. He's our personal savior. He walks with us, hallelujah, and talks with us. A long life's narrow way, is what the song says. Well, here's my question. How well, really, how well do we know him? Is it possible to know him more? Are we experientially growing in our knowing of him? I think that'd be a good revival. We would grow a little bit in our knowing him. For many, our knowledge is so small and our conception is faulty concerning him. I'm afraid our thoughts of God are too human. In fact, we have humanized God to the place where he is like us, just better. Someone said we view God through the wrong end of the telescope. We have reduced the magnitude of a triune God to pygmy proportions. The result is pygmy Christians. Today, so-called Christianity is filled with shallow, watered-down, flimsy, carnal. Can't tell the difference between the world and Christianity. Our knowledge of God is a matter of crucial importance. It's not a theoretical matter. It's not just a theological matter. It's a practical matter. It's, it's part of everything we do, our vision, our conception, our awareness of God. The way we view God affects every aspect of our life. 
It affects how we worship him. It affects how we live for him. How we serve him. There's an old time Baptist preacher who's been in heaven a long time now. His name is C.H. Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Probably one of the greatest pulpiteers of all history. And uh, they were opening up the brand new, they call it Park Street Chapel in London, where they had services. And here's what Brother Spurgeon said on this opening day. It has been said by someone that the proper study of mankind is manned. I will not oppose the idea. But I believe equally true to say the proper study of the Christian is the Godhead. The highest science, the mightiest speculation, the loftiest philosophy that ever engaged the attention of the child of God is the name, the nature, the person, the works, the doings, the existence of our great God. To try to get an understanding of God, to say this week that I want to teach, I want to preach concerning the everlasting, the omnipotent, the all-knowing, the God of creation. Now, I'm going to teach and preach concerning him. And not only sounds audacious, it sounds like impossible for me, this finite person, to try to tell us all about God. But I will say it's not altogether impossible. The reason I can say that is because God has revealed himself. He wants us to know him. Let me read a few verses to you. In John 1, no man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, hath declared him. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the capital W word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 14, and the word, the word, the capital W word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He revealed himself. We can know God through the revelation of his Son. In Psalm 19, it says it like this, the heavens declare the glory of God. He wants us to know him. The firmament showeth his handiwork. In uh, the Romans 1, 20, it says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. God says, So then they are without excuse. I have made myself available for you to know me. This everlasting, omnipotent, God of all creation says, hey, 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 you can know me. I've revealed myself to you. Glory to his name. This book is the complete and final revelation of God to mankind. It contains all we need to know. The very name and nature and character and the attributes and all the things that make God to be God are revealed 
for all humanity to see. Praise his name for the Holy Bible. We can know him. This is incredible. It's personal. He is personal. Listen to how he said it in Jeremiah. He said, and you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. God says, hey, you can know me. Just be willing to know me. Nancy and I got married in 1976. So this July, next month, we'll be married 44 years. When I was a teenager, uh, I was 16. I remember distinctly we had a new youth leader come into our Sunday school class, and he said, boys, don't you wait until you're 20 or 21 years old to start praying for a woman. I started listening now. <laughs> he said, you need to start praying right now for a woman. That is a good idea right there. Because I thought if I'm ever going to get a woman, it's going to have to be God. <laughs> when I was 16 and not even knowing any better, I started praying for a woman. I prayed two things. I said, God, would you please give me a beautiful woman? Please. Because I knew that's kind of like impossible from this side of the fence, okay? So. <laughs> The second thing I prayed was, God, would you give me a woman? Now, I was 16. I'm very foolish, immature, but I prayed these words. God, would you give me a woman that would love you more than she could ever love me? Nancy and I, I began to talk to her, and then we did a few things together, and when I realized that she was the one that I'd been praying for since I was 16, I was 20 years old. My heart was moved, and I asked her if she'd marry me. Well, first I asked her dad. Guys, that's a, good, that's a wise thing. Ask dad first, because then you can say, your dad said it was okay. <laughs> She said yes, and I'm telling you, while we spent those months together and learning, I thought I knew her. I thought I knew her because God had answered my prayer. She would love God more than she would ever love me, and I just, oh. Then we got married, and I thought, oh, I don't know her. It was like I thought I knowed her. <laughs> but then when we were married four or five years, had two babies, I, I, was, I really knew her. But then we were married 10 years. And I thought, oh my, I don't think I knew her at all. I know her so much more now, so much better. You know what I'm talking about? So much deeper. The pastor said, 
you know, we had a tragedy in her life. Nancy was in a horrible car crash in a coma for 50 days in the hospital six months in a wheelchair a year, suffered severe brain damage. She uh, has residual effects of that today and so on. And uh, I'm grateful for how healthy she is, how much her mind is there and all of that. But in the growth of that, I got to know her more and know her deeper. And 44 years is incredible that she has put up with me. (laughs) She knows me. See, when I talk about knowing God, I want us to know God deeper. I want us to to just say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know about him. I know stuff he did. No, 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 that we know him personally. Are you with me? And when uh, this occasion that Isaiah gets to see the Lord high and lifted up and these These unique creatures, I'll talk about them in another sermon, but these unique creatures that cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Mercy's sakes, and Isaiah is there, and he witnesses the glorious holiness of God. It's incredible. So today, if we could maybe just pull back the curtain just just a little bit with Isaiah and watch him and maybe maybe get a view of God a little tiny bit like he did that we might get to know him better and know him deeper. And so in our text in Isaiah, he says, in the year that King Uzziah died. And evidently that has weight to it because he mentions This is when I saw the Lord. And so it was the year King Uzziah died. And, you know, we know because of history and we can do the numbers and so on that he died 739 B.C. before Christ. And so he was was 68 years old when Uzziah died. See, King Uzziah started out, oh, he's an awesome king. And that's why I want to take you to Two Chronicles. Will you go there with me? Two Chronicles 26. <clears throat> We're going to start with verse number 3. 16. Two Chronicles 26, verse 3. 16 years old was Uzziah when he began to reign. And he reigned 50 and 2 years in Jerusalem. Let's just stop right there. Just stop right there. I just told you when I was 16, I was immature. I was a goober. I didn't know stuff and all that. But I knew what to pray for in a woman. I cannot imagine that I'd be the king, the president. That would be a wreck. (laughs) But Uzziah was king. Verse number four, look what that says. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Verse five. And he sought God 
in the days of Zechariah, <clears throat> and then and he had an understanding of the business of God, and it says, as long, what's what the Bible says, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Please look up here. Does that sound a little bit conditional to you? If you seek the Lord, God will bless you. If you don't seek, it's too bad. Amen? Hey, that's what it says. It's very conditional. So since you're here this morning, you started out the revival good. I think we ought to come back tonight. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And say, hey, Lord, I, I do want your blessings, but I want to get to know you. Wow. You know, the, all the prosperity that Uzziah experienced. He's a young, he's just a kid. In all this prosperity, he enjoys. It did not give him what he needed most. In fact, his prosperity caused his pride, sin, to grow in him, to well up in him. And he sinned a great sin. Look at 26, chapter 26, look at verse 16. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God. And he went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And Azariah, the priest, went in after him. And with him fourscore, eighty priests of the Lord that were valiant men, verse 18. And they withstood Uzziah the king and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed, neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. Now, time out, time out. He did awesome. Everything was wonderful, and prosperity was there. And now he, he goes into the temple, and the priests say, what are you doing? Get out. You can't be in here. Look at it. Verse number uh, 19. Then Uzziah was wroth. He didn't humble himself. He was wroth and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priest, the leprosy even rose up on his forehead, in his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. Verse 20, And Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead, and they thrust him out from thence. Yea, himself hasted also to go out. Why? Because the Lord had smitten him. Verse 21, And Uzziah the king was a leper until the day of his death. And he dwelt in a several house. Uh, we might call that uh, a hospital or a place for terminal people and so on, being a leper. For he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, was over the king's house. Good night. Isaiah's, watch, Isaiah's king dies. They knew each other. They were friends. Isaiah was his prophet. But now Isaiah's friend is dead. And he did not die a sweet death. 
Everybody couldn't just rejoice. Yay, we loved our king. He was awesome. He died a leper, separated from everybody. This is heartbreaking to Isaiah. Let me just give you a thought. You and I need to get this in our tiny little brains that we should realize that all of our prosperity is not a guarantee that we will stay humble. God blesses us and takes care of us and does so much for us, we think, well, I'll serve him forever. That is not a guarantee at all. Mercy. Someone said it like this. Pride easily suffocates humility. It's obvious If you and I want the favor of God, if we want a fresh encounter with God, if we want a reviving with God, humility is required. It says it like this. Just listen to the verse, Isaiah 57. It says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. He says, I dwell in a high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble. God, watch, God dwells with those that are of a humble spirit. That's why. So he can revive them. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves. Ladies and gentlemen, humility is the first requirement if we're going to have revival. Watch, watch. I've already lost some of you. Uzziah started out awesome. Isaiah is his preacher. Uzziah messes up. He gets full of pride. He thinks, I can burn incense. I can do that. I'll go in there and do that. Now he's got leprosy, and he dies a sad, sorrow-filled death. And Isaiah's heart is broken. Watch. Isaiah knows how Uzziah died and why Uzziah was in that condition Because of his pride. Humility is our greatest need. Someone else said pride is an antidote for revival. The reason we won't have revival is because of the antidote. Pride prevents revival. In this year, when Uzziah died, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And he sees these seraphims, these heavenly creatures saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. It is obvious that what Isaiah is seeing is the holiness of God. And I declare to me and you today what we need much in this day and time is to see the holiness of God and not just see it for us to get to know him and his holiness. So let me spend a couple minutes here on defining holy. Listen to some definition from some of my dictionaries and Lexicons and so on. Listen. Exalted. Worthy of complete devotion as one perfect. 
and goodness and righteousness. Another piece of the definition, having a divine quality. Strong's concordance for you that are students and so on. If you're not yet a student of Strong's, you need to learn what Strong's concordance is. You need to learn what the word concordance is. The concordance has every word in the Bible. Every word in the Bible. And then it has a number beside it, and you look up that number, and it tells you if it's a Hebrew word in the Old Testament, it'll give you some definition and help us with it. The, you know what the Hebrew word is for holy? Look up here. Let me give it to you. We would pronounce it Kadash. K-A-W-D-A-S-H. Kadash. And so when you do your strongs thing in the Kadash, listen to what it says. To consecrate. To sanctify. To dedicate. To be hallowed or be holy. To be separate. Here's another part of Kadash. Listen to Kadash. To cut. To cut away. To set apart. To keep oneself apart or separate. Now watch. Kadash or holiness in the Hebrew meaning. Listen, listen, I'm trying to, we're trying to get there. Watch what holiness in the Hebrew meaning means separate from the ordinary. Here's another way. Look. Holiness is separate from the profane. And profane uh, distinctly would just be the ordinary, the regular, not holy. Separate from that. And so watch, watch. The first time the word Kadash is ever used in the Bible is in Genesis when God separated, and here's what the Bible says, he sanctified the seventh day, and it's called the day of rest. Look up here, watch, watch. God sanctified, the word is Kadash, God sanctified the seventh day, and he made this day different from the ordinary days. Is everybody with me? It's the day of rest. God is very serious about the day of rest, especially in the Jewish law and where they are in their relationship to him. Now, the day of rest, the seventh day, is it's always Saturday, it's always Saturday, it's always Saturday. But when Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday, we no longer magnify and honor and worship God. Sunday became the Lord's day. Now, Saturday is a day of rest. Sunday is the Lord's day. And now we use this day to honor and magnify and glorify him. Somebody go ahead and say amen about that. All right. All right. So watch. You're getting the picture. He sanctified. He kodashed. Here goes the word. I don't think it's in the dictionary, but here it goes. He holified the seventh day. He set it apart. He cut it away. It's no longer an ordinary day. Is everybody with me? So he holified it. They are set apart. When God described the, the vessels that they use in the tabernacle and the temple, all these special instruments they have and so on, watch, each one of the vessels were kodashed. They were holified. No, they're, no, they're no longer ordinary. It belongs to God. It's supposed to be used for God. It is recognized to be separate 
sanctified, holified. It doesn't belong to us. We're going to do use this for God. Is everybody with me? Oh, mercy. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Watch, watch, watch. When us humans get born again, when we are saved, some people pronounce it saved. When we are born again, what happens is we, we get regenerated. But this part here, the flesh, it's the carnal part, the carnality, carny, chili con carne. <laughs> chili beans with meat. This is the meat. The meat didn't get saved. The carnal part didn't get saved. My flesh didn't get saved. When I got born again, did my flesh didn't get born again? Well, what got born again? My dead spirit. Look up here, look up here. When God created Adam and Eve, he created man, body, soul, and spirit. That's how he created them. Breathe into them the breath of life. They became a living soul. It was awesome. And then God said, okay, all this stuff here, you can eat it all. It's awesome. You can have everything. You can eat whatever you want, everything. It's yours, it's yours, it's yours. Well, there's one tree. Don't touch it. Don't eat it. And then the liar got him to eat it. God said, the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. When Adam and Eve ate it, did they fall down dead on the ground? The day you're going to die. They did die, though. Look up here. Now they are body, soul. Here's what happened. Dead spirit. Every human, every human born because of Adam and Eve's sin is born body, soul, and dead spirit. Every human. That's why Jesus doesn't have Adam's blood in his veins. Because he wasn't born with a dead spirit. He's not a sinner. But we're all sinners. For all in sin. That's what the Bible says. Okay, here. Watch, 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 watch. When a person gets born to it again, it, oh, I've been teaching people this for last year. I might as well tell you all too. Whenever a person gets saved in heaven, they know it. Now, we can't hear it, but when I've trusted Christ to be my Savior, when I ask him to forgive me, in heaven, it went like this. Ding! A dinger went off in heaven. They go, whoa, another person got saved. Did you hear the ding? This is awesome. And they rejoice over one sinner that repented. It was awesome. So we don't get to hear it, but I'm telling you, a dinger goes off. Watch, watch. When the dinger went off, my dead spirit was made alive. The Bible calls it regenerated. Quickened, made alive. So watch. Oh, honey, this is so awesome. When I got saved, my dead spirit is regenerated. It's alive. And it received the righteousness of God. Righteousness, well... Another word for righteousness would be holiness. Amen. Watch, oh honey. When I got saved, my dead spirit was cut off, cut away. Oh, here's another way to say it. It was holified. <laughs> October 17, 1963. 
just a boy, just a boy in Bowling Green, Kentucky at Grace Baptist Church, five rows back. I let go of the pew in front of me, and I walked forward. If you were there that day and you'd have seen this boy walk down the aisle, you'd went, oh, my goodness, he is broken. He's so wicked. He must have murdered 100 people. <laughs> I felt that guilty, and I was that big a sinner. And I walked down that aisle that day, and I knelt down on the front right over here. I knelt down a sinner. When I stood up, I was been holified. Amen. This is not holified. I still struggle with this. Mainly, it's because I'm married. Not that I do. <laughs> watch, watch. I was cut off. I was sanctified. I was made separate. I was holified. And the only reason God and I can have any relationship and I can know him is because I've been made holified. You can't get to know him. It's impossible until you're holified. Us sinners, we have no access to him. Oh, mercy, are you getting this? Well, honey, watch, watch. When we got born, did again, did, we've been made holified. Now, here's what I'm going to end with this morning. If you and I have been made holified, don't you think we should, like, live like it? Yes. I mean, don't you think I ought to, like, show up? I'm thinking, like, maybe like a revival. <laughs> that we get stirred up again, refreshed again, revived, and that we realize, God, thank you that you've holified me. Now, I just don't want to be grateful for being made whole or righteous or holy I want to live for you and I want to know you I want to know you deeper it's a sad it's a sad affair that you would come to this place to this place that opens up God's word opens up God's book and you come to this place and you're not coming here to get to know him better you're coming here to pass some time you're coming here to you know God forgive us we need a revival now friend if you're not yet born again, good news, you can't be. He died on the cross for your sins, for our sins. And if you'll receive him, he will set you apart. You're not ordinary anymore. You're not profane anymore. You've been set apart to God. Watch, watch. And if it belongs to God... It's not mine anymore. I belong to him. Wow. So if you're not yet born again, if you're not forgiven, oh, God's kind grace will come to your soul. I guarantee you he will come. He's done it to everybody that's ever been saved. He, sp he speaks to their soul, their heart, and brings conviction. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. You know you're a sinner. Just admit it. Admit you're a sinner. I like how my friend said it. God's holy. You're not. You're a sinner. You need to be forgiven. If you would just admit that and bow your head, bow your heart and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I believe your son Jesus is the Savior. He died for my sin. Please, Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life. Save me, Jesus. He's never turned down to anybody. Thank you so much for listening to this message. 
If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.